1: Parents, when you visit California, childhood rules. If you don't remember how awesome childhood is, just ask yourself. What would kids do? Dance to a giant organ played by ocean waves? Yep. Camp in floating tree houses hundreds of feet off the ground? Check. Jump in a big tub of mud on purpose? Call it rejuvenation. We don't care. Just pack your fun pants and let childhood rule your family vacation. If you need help, ask your kids. Start planning at visitcalifornia.com.
2: Welcome, I'm Thomas Kelly and I'm your host for Episode 3 of the Jussie Podcast on the Revolver Podcast Network. We're here today with our independent investigative reporter, Shelley Stanley, and we have actors who are portraying various characters in a reenactment of the testimony of Anthony Moore, the security guard at the Sheraton Hotel in downtown Chicago, who was the only eyewitness at the scene of the hoax, hate crime, whatever you want to call it, the incident on January 29th, 2019.
1: Let's get into it. Please state your name.
2: Anthony Moore.
1: Spell your first and last name. A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-M-O-O-R-E. How old are you? I'm 32. How old? 32. Where were you born and raised? I was born and raised in Gary, Indiana.
3: And without telling me your address, where do you reside now in Gary, Indiana? Where did you go to high school, Mr. Moore? West Side High School. And after high school, did you have any education after that? I attended Ivy Technical Community College. And after Ivy Tech, you began working, right? Correct. And after I- Ivy Tech, did you work at Enterprise Rental Car? I did. How long were you at Enterprise? I was there at least three years. And after Enterprise, did you work at any securities companies? I did. What security company did you work with after Enterprise? U.S. Security Associates. How long were you at U.S. Security Associates? Three years, maybe a little longer than three. When you first began the job at U.S. Security Associates, did you get any training to become familiar with the grounds or anything like that? Yes.
1: What kind of training did you get? How to observe. You said how to observe? Yes. Mostly observing, nothing too intense. It was general security. When you go to a site, they would train you how to, on that site, site site-specific.
3: Sure, no problem. Now, in that position, as part of your equipment, did you have a flashlight? Yes. In that position also, did you ever work nights? Absolutely, yes. And during that position at U.S., did you ever have to use a flashlight at night? Yes. So you had to even, back then, look at people and identify people using your flashlight? Yes. I want to take your attention back to around 2017, 2018. You started another security job. I did. What security job was that? The Sheridan Grand in Chicago. Where is that located? 301 East North Water. And when you started there, did you get any particular training? Yes. What did that training involve?
1: How did it detect, deter, and
3: report? Detect, deter, and report. Is that that what you said? Yes. And as part of your equipment for that job, did you receive a flashlight as well? I did. Now, at the Sheridan, did you work nights as well? I did. So you worked nights at the other security company, and then you worked nights at the Sheridan. So you're used to working nights? I am. Does working nights, working that schedule, make you sleepy at all? Not at all. In regards to the Sheridan, in regards to being, you know, someone being tired on the job, is there something in particular that would happen if someone fell
1: asleep on the job? If you fell asleep on the job, it would automatically be terminated. Okay, so I want to take your attention back to the night
3: of January 28th, 2019, did you start a shift that particular night?
1: I did. What time did you start? I started at 11 p.m. What time were you supposed to get off? I was supposed to get off at 7 a.m.
3: As part of your duties as a security for the Sheridan, did you have to go around and scan
1: barcodes? I did. Can you explain that? Yes. There's numerous check spots around the hotel, and you go and scan it as proof that you did your patrol. And in the process of doing that, if you see anything or know anything, you let the person know that. Okay, now that you started your shift at 11 p.m., once you started your shift, did you have
3: to go and start scanning the barcodes?
1: Not as soon as I started, depending on the other officers. At around 2
3: a.m., that would be the next day, January 29th, 2019, while you were doing your patrol, what area were you going? What barcode areas were you going to scan?
1: Can you repeat that? Around 2 a.m., what area were you in in the hotel? The Chicago Burger Company, or CBC. What side of the building is that on? That is on the west side. So while you were in that area, what did you see, if anything? When I was in that area, I walked outside the doors. As I walked outside the doors, I heard someone coming towards me. So you heard someone coming towards you? Yes. Could you hear which direction they were coming from? It seemed like they was coming from my left side, which would be my east, northeast. Okay, great. So you hear the people coming towards you. What did you do? I instantly had my flashlight, and I pointed my flashlight. All right. Which way did you point your flashlight? To my right,
3: with my right hand to the left. With your right hand, you pointed to the left?
1: Yeah. So when you pointed your flashlight, what, if anything, did you see? As I pointed my flashlight, I saw a male figure coming towards me in all black with a mask on. He came towards you in all black, and you said he had a mask on?
3: Yes. Was there any area of the mask that was open? Yes, around the eyes. Okay, so where did you point that flashlight? Right at his face. When the flashlight was pointed right at that person's face as they were coming towards you, how close did they get to you? About a foot or two, really close to me. About a foot or two. Really close to you? Yes. So when you flashed that flashlight, what did you
2: see? I saw a white male. You saw a white male? Yes. Okay, let's stop right there for a second. In some people's minds, that may have been the most important uh, brief exchange in the trial, where the only eyewitness to the scene, Anthony Moore, the security guard, doing his job, shines his flashlight in the face of a a fleeing man in a hood with a mask on, but he can see enough to say, that is a white male. What do you think about that, Shelley?
4: I think it's extremely important, and he told police this within three days of the attack, and it was the exact same thing, coincidentally, that Jesse had told police.
2: Okay, now the test now becomes, is Anthony Moore going to stick to this story? Is there anything else that's going to make him rethink or maybe forget, or maybe be convinced that maybe he was wrong. We'll see what happens. Okay, let's continue.
1: After seeing that white male, what did that white male
2: do? He
1: was running around already, and he didn't stop. He said, it's cold, it's cold, and he continued to run past.
3: Now, after that white male ran by you, did you see another person?
1: Yes, another person directly behind him.
3: Did you get a chance to see that person's face? No, I didn't. So then that second person then ran by you? Yes. Can you describe that second person
1: as much as you can? The second person, from what I saw, was a little shorter, a little wider. I couldn't see his face. He had...
3: So that second man runs by you. Did you see any other person in the vicinity after that?
1: Yes. After that, I continued to walk around the building and I could see someone else at the distance far away. You
3: saw someone else at a distance? Yes. What did you see that person doing?
1: That person was on the ground, like on all fours, and it seemed like I looked back and it looked like they were looking for something. And and that person, was that person, where was that person? Was that person down
3: the stairs, or where was that person?
1: That person was at the end of the block right by the stairs. Now, after you saw that person, did you then go back inside? Yes. Now, you said
3: earlier you had a flashlight before, right? Yes. Now, from your experience, when you use a flashlight, you can tell whether the person is white or black when you flash the light, right? Correct. If you flash a light in someone's face, that's not going to change your skin color, is it? No. You said no? No. So after all this happened, you go back inside. A couple of days later, on February 1st, 2019... A couple Chicago police officers come to talk to you at work. Yes. And that was around 1230 in the morning. Yes. And when those, was it Detective Corfield,
1: C-O-R-F-I-E-L-D, was one of the detectives? It's been a long time. It's been two years, I believe so. So February 1st,
3: 2019, that was about a couple of days after the observation you made about the white male
1: running by you, right? Right. Right. What did you tell the police when they came and talked to you that day? I told them exactly what I said to you. As I was walking through the doors, I seen a male coming at me that appeared to be a white male. And then there was another one that following him. I didn't see what he looked like. He had his hand by his face. And when I went around scanning my points and I looked and I saw another male that appeared to be on the ground and I walked back inside. And so a couple of weeks after that, on February 27th,
3: 2019, you went over to Area Central, the police station, and spoke to the detective again, right? Yes. And that was Detective Callie, C-A-L-L-E, right? I believe so, yes. Now, when you went to go talk to that detective at the police station a couple of weeks after this incident happened, what did you tell the detective?
1: I told him the same story. As I walked out the doors, a male was running past me. I shone my light in his face. He asked me what I saw, and I said it appeared to be a white male. Okay,
3: now, as you sit here today, Mr. Moore, are you sure you saw a white male that day in the early morning hours of January 29th, 2019? Yes. Yes? Yes. All right, so almost a year after, on January 9th, 2020, you went to go talk to some, the office of the special prosecutor, right? Right. Did you go to their offices? Yes. And that was at an office building somewhere downtown? Yes. And when you went in there, you got a chance to tell them that you saw a white male, correct? Correct. Now, after you told the office of the special prosecutor that you saw a white
1: male, did the office of the special prosecutor allow you to write out a statement of what you observed? I didn't write a statement out, but there was someone else in the room that was recording everything. Okay, but did they give you an option? Did they give you a piece of
3: paper and say, here... Just write out what you saw for us on a piece of paper. I don't recall. Now, did they offer, while you were there, did they say, Mr. Moore, we're going to video record this statement, you know, so we can make sure everything is great. We're going to video record that. Do you remember if they asked you if you wanted it video recorded? Can you repeat that? Did someone from the office, the special prosecutor, did they ask you if you want to record your guy's interaction? Did someone ask if you want to video record it? Not video recorded, not to my knowledge. So after you told the Office of the Special Prosecutor what you observed, essentially a statement was typed up, right? Correct. You didn't type it, right? No. That statement was typed up, and then you signed that statement at the end, right? Correct. Now, and you got a chance to read that statement, right? I did. Now that the statement doesn't say that you saw a white male on January 29, 2019, right?
1: Right. Why did it change? Me personally, I didn't never change that statement. After going over that statement, I was there for hours. Can you please repeat your answer? After I gave my statement to CPT the first time, I gave it to them again a second time, and then a third time, I gave them my statement. I was in the building numerous hours, and I felt like after we went over it and over it again, how many times do I have to say the same thing over and over again, what I seen? So it was put out as a possibility that it could have been a blackmail that it, I seen or that the light off the flashlight changed and made me see something that I didn't see. That's possible, but it wasn't probable, so I... Right, so you said it was possible, but not probable, right?
3: Correct. So you knew you saw a white male that day, right? I did. I did. Did you feel like, how did you feel? What feelings did you have when you and the office of the special
1: prosecutor were talking about that statement? After being there for a while, I felt pressured. and Pressured to do what? Pressured to continue to try to pump something that out that I didn't see. Okay, so you say you felt
3: pressured and threatened to say something that you didn't see. Do you see that person in the courtroom that threatened and pressured you here today? I do. Can you point that person out and name something they're wearing? Wearing? Point to him. Right there. Is this the guy? Sean. Yeah, Sean Weber, okay? Yes. Nothing further.
1: when you visit California, childhood rules. If you don't remember how awesome childhood is, just ask yourself, What would kids do? Then pack your fun pants and let childhood rule your family vacation. Start planning at VisitCalifornia.com.
2: Okay, hey, Shelly. A lot to cover here in the last couple minutes. First, it's very clear that Anthony Moore told the same story again and again and again, as he told in court at the first time he visited the police. He told them that exact same story, visited the police again, said the same thing. And then at the special prosecutor's office, said the same thing again. But it appears special prosecutors weren't so happy with his statement about the white male. And it sounds at least like they encouraged him to reconsider that, pressured him, threatened him. What's going on here, Shelley?
4: I mean, I think it's it's very interesting that the big deal in this whole thing is a white man. You know, that is the, is the thing that the police and the prosecutor wanted to change and to become somebody else, not a white man, because then, of course, Jesse's story would be True, and he was attacked in a hate crime. So okay, I think so what you we know, have... the special prosecutor's office um, has a lot to answer to in what they did.
2: Yes, and it gets worse because uh, I agree with you. If Anthony Moore is right, and I think any fair-minded person would say, this is an honest man giving honest testimony, and he did it again and again and again. And when he was challenged... When he was even pressured or threatened, he refused to change his story. Okay, but it turns out that the written statement by the special prosecutor's office, which Anthony Moore uh, briefly scanned through and then signed, and I think he signed it because there was no, nothing wrong in what they wrote, but there was one omission because Anthony wouldn't change his story about the white male, well, the special prosecutor's office did it for him, and they just omitted it.
4: Yeah. Yeah, they just left out the important detail of who the
2: guy was. And I believe, and I wonder what you think, that if this is the only eyewitness at the scene, and if he insists that he saw a white male, this becomes very similar to... In the O.J. trial, if the gloves don't fit, you must acquit. And in this case, if the man was white, the conviction's not right. The only way for the special prosecutor to get out of that was to omit any mention of the white male from Anthony Moore's written statement.
4: Right. I mean, even though he had already talked to CPD several times and CPD interviewed him after seeing him on film. Um, You know, I think it just goes to show that if they really wanted to do a just investigation, they would have taken seriously what Anthony Moore said. Um, He was their main witness, uh, other than Jesse. So they both said the same thing. Why not just go with that and investigate according to what the witnesses are telling you, instead of trying to get the whole story changed into something else?
2: Right. It just didn't fit the narrative, that's the special prosecutor's office wanted to get to. Uh, Shelly, one more question here, and then we're going to move on with the testimony. Why didn't defense counsel uh, jump to their feet and say, hey, wait a second, what's going on? Why was the white male deleted from the written statement of Anthony Moore? And then they kind of finessed it past him. He just looked at it briefly and signed it really it it was kind of a trick wasn't it
4: i think they were trying to do it in a more subtle way but it might have been more helpful to do it to just really point it out and and make it clear what happened
2: okay and there's one last important point here at the end you notice that anthony moore is honest enough to say yes he was pressured and threatened by the special prosecutors to change his story he wouldn't do it and then defense counsel asked him do you see that man uh In this courtroom? He said yes. And he pointed him out, and it turns out it was Sean Weber. Sean Weber is the second chair on the prosecutor's team in the courtroom. He's the first assistant to the special prosecutor, Dan Webb. And I was astounded that after that declaration was made by Anthony Moore in court, in open court, pointed out Sean Weber as the man who had pressured him, the defense counsel ended its questioning of Anthony Moore. And we move on to the prosecutor. It It is stunning that the prosecutor who questions Anthony Moore immediately following his testimony was Sean Weaver. That doesn't seem very kosher to me. What do you think, Shelley?
4: Yeah, exactly. I think it's, uh I can't really imagine how Anthony Moore was feeling at that point to do something so courageous which you never hear about pointing out a prosecutor threatening you in open court in front of everyone exposing him that's huge in itself, and then to be questioned by that very person in the next minute. you know
2: <laughs> it's, it's just it's you talk about red flags well there's one. okay, uh, let's continue. Now, we're going to get to the cross-examination by Sean Weber.
5: You testified that you were working your job at the Sheridan Grand Hotel the night of January 28th in the morning hours into January 29th, 2019, correct? Correct. And your title there is loss prevention officer. Is that correct? Correct. And loss prevention officer, that's another name for a security guard, correct? Correct. At approximately 2 a.m. on January the 29th, 2019, you were exiting the Chicago Burger Company to scan a barcode outside the restaurant, correct? Correct. And as you went to scan the barcode outside, you heard running footsteps approaching from your left, which would be the north, correct? Correct. One ran ahead of the other, correct? Correct. And as the first individual ran by, you testified that you shined your flashlight very quickly. Correct. Towards the person's face, correct? Yeah. And it happened very, very fast, correct? Correct. And the two individuals ran past you in a second or two, correct? Correct. Sir, I want to show you some surveillance footage that's already been admitted into evidence in this case, and I'll ask you some questions. On State Exhibit 6, there's a screen right there. If you want to look at that big screen, you can do that. Let me pause it right here. Strike that. This grainy image for now. It comes a little into focus, but the grainy image for now is the Chicago Burger Company, correct? Correct. This surveillance is from a camera that's looking directly into the Chicago Burger Company, correct? Correct. And you can see the black shadow of an individual right at the door, correct? Yeah. At about 2.04 a.m., correct? Correct. And this is your right here, sir, correct? Correct. And you're doing your rounds coming out of the Chicago Burger Company, correct? Correct. And this is the door that we just saw from the outside, correct? Correct. And you're going to end up taking a left out of this door, correct? Correct. And that's where two individuals ran past you, correct? Correct. I want you to watch the door and then watch the individuals as you come out. Pause it right there. The first individual, sir, do you see on the screen? They just walked by. Do you see them on this surveillance video right here? Yes. And the second is actually right next to you, this surveillance video right now, right? Yes. Yes. The first individual has run past, correct? Correct. The second individual, the more stocky one, ran past second, correct? Correct. Sir, what you just saw in the video is what you were referring to when you took the questions from Mr. Smollett's counsel about seeing two individuals run past you, correct? Correct. And when you were outside on that brief one or two seconds when you flashed your flashlight, correct? Correct. Directly into the first man's face, correct? Correct. It was at that point when you put the flashlight up into the first man's face in which you identified the first man as white underneath the mask, correct? Repeat that. You testified that when you flashed the flashlight in the first man's face, that you were able to see that the first man's face was white, correct? Correct. Based on that, two two second interactions, correct? Correct. And other than providing a description of the second individual, you weren't able to see his face, correct? Correct. When the two individuals ran past you, you heard some laughing as they ran by, correct? Correct. And as they ran past you, you continued to walk north on the sidewalk along New Street to scan an outside barcode, correct? Correct. As you were facing north on New Street, you saw a third male at the bottom of the staircase located at the corner of New Street and East Water Street, correct? Correct. And that third male was bent over on all fours, correct? Yes, sir. And he was bent over like he was picking himself off the ground, correct? Correct. And the guy who was picking himself off the ground, you didn't hear that guy scream or anything? Correct. You didn't hear that guy crying, correct? Correct. You didn't hear that guy calling for help, correct? Correct. You didn't think that guy was injured, correct? Correct. In fact, you saw all three men, the two individuals we just saw in the video, run past in the video, and the third man picking himself off the ground had just been goofing around, correct? Correct. When you saw the third guy picking himself off the ground, you didn't think to walk down New Street and ask if he was okay, correct? Correct. And you didn't go to help him, correct? Correct. It didn't even look like he needed help, correct? Correct. And if you thought that something serious or really bad just happened, you would have done something about it, correct? Correct. Sir, I would like to show you a photograph that's been admitted into evidence. Sir, I would like you to take a look at this photograph, and I'd like you to focus your attention on the two men that you see on the right-hand side of the screen. You'll see their profiles here. Let me know when you've had a chance to look at these two men. Okay. Directing your attention to the taller and the skinnier one. Do you see that person? I do. You agree with me that the taller and skinnier... Strike that. You agree with me that the taller and skinnier man closest to the bottom of the photo is a black male, correct? correct. And the other gentleman... The one at the top of the photo, the one who is more stocky and shorter. Other than that, do you see him also? I do. Do you agree with me, sir, that the gentleman is also a black male, correct? Right.
2: Uh, Shelley, uh, to me, this is uh, another uh, key passage in the trial transcript where it sounds like at first the prosecutor doing the cross-examination, Sean Weber, has uh, flipped the script because he's shown Anthony Moore a photo that includes pictures of the two men who were both suspects and believed to be, the by the prosecutors at least, the Austin Dario brothers, up until this point, Anthony Moore has been testifying all along for years that he saw a white male. One of the two was a white male, the other one he couldn't see his face at all. Now here, he readily admits that the photos he is being shown by Sean Weber are of first one black man, And he said, is this a black man? Yes. And another, do you recognize that this is a black male? Yes. What's going on here, Shelley?
4: It's unclear to me what photos he's showing him, but it seems to me like he's showing them clear photos of black men because in all the footage that we can see from the scene, at least one of the guys is covered in all black clothing, including a black face mask. So there's nobody that would ever say, they could clearly say that that person was a black man. I mean, you can't see its face. So I think whatever Sean Weber is showing Anthony Moore is clear photos of the Osandario brothers.
2: If, if that's, that's kind of a bait-and-switch, because it yep. should be photos, the only place they could have gotten photographs of the same scene as was described in the only surveillance camera, that captured the two men walking by Anthony Moore that night was across the street about 75 feet away and kind of grainy, kind of murky, dark night. And there's no way that anyone could say, oh, yeah, it's very clear they're both uh, black males. So either the photo was of something else or if they did take a photo off the surveillance camera video It's a technology that's easy to do, but when you do that, especially for court, you have to be very careful. You can add some adjustments to enhance the photo and make it the best it can be, but you can't tamper with the photograph. You can't make things darker or lighter that aren't supposed to be. You can't remove the covering from a face. You can't edit the photo. Uh, This is a mystery to me. What do you think?
4: I think that you know Sean Weber is just trying to to make Anthony Moore admit that being a black person in a photograph, even though it's not what he saw at the scene. The other interesting thing about this video of the guard is that there's ten missing seconds, and it seems like those ten missing seconds are also missing in court. But when I um, sent a Freedom of, of Information Act request to CPD, I asked them for the full unedited video. And they gave me something with 10 missing seconds, which was when Anthony Moore gets to the door, he's about to open the door, it then jumps ahead 10 seconds, and the first guy has already run by him. Hmm. But it's interesting to me because in that missing 10 seconds, you can't see him flash his flashlight in the guy's face. So I re CPD, and I said, please send me the missing 10 seconds. I asked for an unaltered um, video. And they said, no, we gave you everything that we had. But the thing is, in the original report, it keeps referring to Anthony Moore as the guard with the flashlight. And in the video that I have, there's no – it's not obvious at all that he has a flashlight. I would never call him the guard with the flashlight after seeing that video because you don't see a flashlight in his hand. You don't see him flashing a flashlight. So I think in the original video, you can see him flash the flashlight in the man's face. Maybe you can see that the guy's white right on the video. But now that 10 seconds is missing totally. And they say that they just don't have it anymore, even though it's clear to me that they originally had it from their description of the video.
2: Shelley, are you saying that the 10 seconds that apparently has been omitted from the most (laughs) important video is the most important 10 seconds? It's the 10 seconds during which Anthony Moore shines his flashlight in the suspect's face.
4: Exactly. And like I said, I did, as soon as I got the video and I saw it was missing, I immediately sent them a follow-up FOIA request, and I said, please give me that 10 seconds, and they replied and said, we don't have it.
2: Interesting follow-up to this, that Mm -hmm. after, and uh, there is another section we'll get to, where Sean Weber shows him another photograph, very similar, two men. He asks Anthony Moore to confirm. In that photograph, both the men appear to be black males. Anthony Moore agrees again. You would think the prosecutor would follow that up with, okay, well, case closed. Mr. Moore, you have now conceded, based on the evidence we gave you, that the two men you saw that previously you said one was unidentifiable, the other was a white male. Now you are telling the court, no, now I see from these photographs, they're both black males, no doubt about it. He did not ask that question. He did not reference that. He basically ended his cross-examination believing that, okay, as far as the jury's concerned, I've done my job. I've shown that Anthony Moore realizes the error of his ways, but I don't think that's what happened. I think that Anthony Moore.
4: In the second set, which we're going to hear in a second, where he shows him, like one of them, one of the guys is wearing a hooded sweatshirt, which nobody at the scene was wearing. So he's obviously showing them photos uh, of the Otsendary brothers or black men from a different time, a different place wearing different clothing, and then asking him, see, these guys are black, right? And then he says, yeah, they're black. (laughs) It's not what he thought the scene.
2: Okay, hey, we want to get back and wrap up. There's just a few minutes left to go of the cross-examination of Anthony Moore. So let's pick it up there.
5: Sir, I'd like you to look at this photograph. I'd like you to focus your attention on the two men that you see in this picture. Let me know when you've had a chance to review this photograph, sir. Have you seen it? Okay, Yes. Directing your attention at the taller man on the left side of the screen wearing a hooded sweatshirt. Do you see him? Yes. Do you agree with me that that gentleman on the left is a black male? Yes. And the other gentleman, the shorter and stockier individual on the right side. Do you see him? Yes. Do you agree with me that that gentleman is also a black man? Correct. Thank you. You can set that document aside. Sir, after having an opportunity to come to my office and review certain materials, you then provided... A written witness statement,
2: correct? Correct. No further questions. Okay, that's the end of the cross-examination. I just think there's so much in here, Shelley, that people should be aware of. That first, Special Prosecutor's Office omitted Anthony Moore's statement about seeing a white male from his written statement that they typed up and then presented him and basically told him, okay, here it is, just sign it. And he did. And later, in cross-examination, the special prosecutors uh, twice presented photographs to Anthony Moore and asked him, hey, are the men in these photos two black males? And he confirmed that they appeared to be two black males. They never followed up by saying, "Okay, so these are the suspects that you saw that night or these are in any way related to those suspects or this exactly. is f- and Anthony Moore honest witness that he was presented with photographs of what were obviously two black males said yes I agree those are two black males he did not say oh I have to correct my testimony the one guy is the guy I thought was a white male but it turns out he's a black male he never said anything like that so it seems to me there's some trickeration going on here with the special prosecutor's office, and this is the most important testimony, as far as I'm concerned, in the entire trial. This is the only eyewitness.
4: Right. I don't think that the prosecution made their case at all with Anthony Moore, and I think if everyone had just taken his statement seriously from the beginning, just really emphasized that here's the witness, here's what he's telling us, let's follow up on what he's telling us, this would have been a totally different case.
2: There's one more uh, segment here that we could get into in a reenactment. I don't think we need to. It is when the special prosecutor, or rather the defense counsel, raises the question about the lineup that they had at the police headquarters when they were hoping that Anthony Moore would identify one of the suspects. We don't know who the people were in the lineup. They were all males. They were also... All black males. And when they asked Anthony Moore, uh, do you recognize anybody in that group? He said, no, I don't know if he said out right. Hey, there aren't any white guys in there. I told you I saw a white guy. They just kind of ignored the whole thing and uh, passed. OK, never mind. We don't need any more lineups. That's enough.
4: I think that's a really important part that, you know, the witness tells you that the guy was white and then you show him a a lineup of men of color and mostly black men. The Osandario brothers were in that lineup, Mm. um, but, you know, they showed him a lineup of people that he did not say were there and then asked him to pick one. He, again, being very honest, refused to pick anyone. And in his second interview with CPD, he told them that, you know, his eyes were drawn to the lightest person. But he knew that still wasn't him because obviously it still wasn't a, a white person. It was maybe a, a lighter-skinned person.
2: Shelley, did you just say uh, very important that the Austin Dario brothers were in that lineup?
4: They were. Yep yeah. they they brought the they brought the Austin brothers in lineups while they were in uh, custody, and nobody in a live lineup identified them. Mm-hmm. No taxi driver. No Uber driver. No guard. Nobody could identify them in a lineup, which I thought was very interesting as well. And that also didn't come up in court.
2: I think that's enough for today. I think we've raised many important questions, all surrounding the testimony and what appears to me to be the very honest and forthright testimony of the only eyewitness on the scene, security guard Anthony Moore, we have to get answers to these questions, and we're going to try to do it in the next episodes of Jussie. We will see you next week with Episode 4 of Jussie, a closer look at the case of Jussie Smollett. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon.
5: Portions of this podcast were readings from the transcript of the trial, but not actual audio footage from the trial. Join us for Episode 4 on iTunes, Spotify, or where you find your favorite podcasts.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Archaea Energy. And starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
6: Hey, look at you. Florist by day, student by night. Student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more.